You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, welcome back to the Church Life Podcast. So we've been talking about the church this week, and the topic today is the church's family. This is my favorite metaphor in the New Testament for the church. The, the Bible teaches that we are the bride of Christ. The Bible teaches that we are the body of Christ. But for me, I love the metaphor that the church is a sacred family, that we are bound together, that God is our Father, He is our head, and together we are His family. Uh, you, you think about it, you hear people today sort of as a leftover or an echo of this kind of language, calling each other brothers and sisters, hey, brother Ben, or hey, sister. Uh, that's not as common today as it once was, but it's really a little bit of a reflection of the language that is used inside the church in the New Testament. So I want to dig into the roots of that a little bit and talk about why it matters. So as you're getting ready for your day or as you're wrapping up your day and you're listening to the podcast to remind yourself that you are part of the church family, I just want you to think about the bond that we have with each other, that we are sisters and brothers, and how seriously are we taking that today. So I want to begin by reading in Mark chapter 3. In verse 20, the Bible says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He's out of his mind. We could speculate a little bit about some of what's happening in the background, but it's clear that the ministry for Jesus has become very popular, that the crowds are huge, that he's almost smothered. Uh, they don't have time to stop and eat. Probably in the eyes of people who loved him, like his family, his mother, his brothers, his sisters, um, probably he was beginning to appear overtaxed or maybe even unhealthy, like you're endangering yourself. We're not sure exactly what all was going on in their mind, but it caused them to want to go and get a hold of him and say, are you okay? So if we skip down several verses um, in verse 31, here's the scene. Then Jesus's mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone to call him. A crowd was sitting around him. And they told him, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers? Jesus asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So in the story, Jesus' family have become concerned about him, so they go to have a conversation. And Jesus uses that opportunity uh, to remind all of his followers that, that they really are his spiritual family. So I believe that that's sort of a foundation for what happened later in the church. In other words, I think that this story uh, of Jesus and his family, and then Jesus surrounded by the crowd of people who want to do his will, it lends itself to sort of help us understand the metaphor of the church as a family. That honestly, these redeemed people who are going to follow the will of Jesus Christ, 
legitimately become his sisters, his brothers, his family. And therefore, we're all bound together uh, on the common point of Jesus, Jesus Christ. So the New Testament picks up this idea and is literally full of images, metaphors, and examples of the church existing as a family. The New Testament is really filled with examples of family language. Uh, for example, I'll give you a couple ideas. Adoption. Every time the Bible says that we were adopted into, into the family of God by the Spirit, that language of salvation through adoption, that's family language. Uh, the Bible teaches that we have an inheritance that is the kingdom of God. Like We inherit the age to come. You know, We'll live in the new heavens and the new earth, and that is our inheritance. Well, inheritance is a family matter. So if you think about it, you know, what we think of as heaven and the life to come, it's really an inheritance for God's family. So one way to think about it is, you know, who is in heaven? Who will be on the on the new earth one day with the Lord? And the answer is God's sons and daughters, his adopted children. So really, even heaven is a family matter. Um, I enjoyed exploring this in an evangelism visit last year when I was talking with somebody who just felt like they weren't good enough to be saved and to be in heaven, or, you know, they were thinking about how how could uh, good people not go to heaven or how do people who who have not been good all their life and then they ask for salvation go to heaven? And a simple way to talk about that in that particular conversation for me was, well, think about it this way. Heaven's not just a place for good people. Heaven's a place for people who are God's family, for sons and daughters who have come to God through Jesus Christ and who have been saved. So that's why it's possible for somebody to be good by human standards, uh, but not be a part of God's family in heaven or in the age to come. They did not want to receive him as father. So even our inheritance in heaven and the age to come is a family matter. We're taught that we are members of God's household. Even sometimes we're called servants of God, which in the first century world was a component of, of a household. God is consistently uh, described as our Father. Uh, some of the letters even talk about us being living stones that are coming together to be a kingdom of priests, but a sacred dwelling. That dwelling can be understood as a temple, but it can also be understood as a household, as a place where God and his family live together. Uh, or in First Peter, it's almost as if the foreigners, sojourners, aliens, temporary residents who don't have a home, find a home together in God's home, as they construct God's home as living stones built together. And that building, that household where we, where we dwell together, that's family language. That's a family image. Many of the New Testament letters include instructions for us about how we're supposed to live together as families. Instructions for husbands, instructions for wives, for older men, for older women, for younger men, for younger women, for children, uh, for slaves and masters. And all of these were aspects of a first century household. So the New Testament is riddled with descriptions of life together uh, as a family of believers. And even Paul the Apostle considers himself like a spiritual father to his spiritual son, Timothy. And if you think about your spiritual journey, uh, there's somebody who's mentored you, who's led you to faith. You have spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. And if you are making disciples, as we are all called to make disciples, then you are a spiritual father or big brother or big sister or mother 
to somebody in our church family. Um, we're called the children of light or beloved children of God. And I don't want us to lose the importance of that sacred imagery, that the church is not just some cold organization. We are a living and loving sacred family, beloved by God and loving each other. We're constituted as a group of people who want to do the will of Christ. And so now we are bound together. One of the reasons that this would be extremely important in the New Testament world, and I want I want us to pick this up as, as a church family, is because in their time and place, um, families were the networks where you found safety and security. This is where you found provision. In fact, detached from your family or cast out from your family, you would really struggle to get ahead or to really to survive. All right, so believers who are coming out of a life of paganism or believers in a Jewish home who rejected Jesus as Messiah, in either of those cases, and in many other cases, a convert to follow Jesus, like somebody who wanted to give their life to trusting Christ as Messiah, might be kicked out of their family. They may have family ties and family support severed. They would be alone, and they would badly need the support that would have been offered by their family but wasn't available, and where would they find it? Well, the answer is they're going to find this in their new family, in the safety, in the security, in the hospitality, and the support that's afforded to them by their church family. Uh, And I think this is one of the reasons in the New Testament that it's so important to care for orphans and to care for widows and to to, care for the poor and to open your homes, because honestly, the church family needed and still does need that kind of support. So new believers, whether they're a first-generation convert in a family of a different religion or a group that's not religious, or whether they're just a college student that's moved off by themselves, or to be quite honest, if they're just a normal person who's trying to get along in a new church setting, like we need to embrace one another as family so that these believers can thrive. And I think what we'll find is that as we open our households and we open our families and we open our hearts and we open our wallets and we start to treat each other legitimately like family in the church, not only are those receiving the hospitality going to benefit, but those giving it will too. Because I think you were created to be a spiritual son or daughter, but you're also created to be a spiritual father or mother. You are created to be a spiritual little sister or brother, but you are also created to be a spiritual big sister or brother. And you are going to thrive, and our church is going to thrive when we learn to live as church family. So this Sunday when we gather and you look around that room full of people in the pews, I want you to recognize it's not a room full of strangers. It's not even just a a room full of folks. That's a family for you. Sisters and brothers who need to be committed to you and you need to be committed to them. So I hope that we'll treasure this image of church as family. And I hope the Lord will use it in our life this week to help us be a healthy church for the glory of Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening today. I hope that you're encouraged by this. I hope that you're found faithful all day long and that you delight in Jesus in your secret times of prayer and your public times of service. God bless you.